Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you have done for us and are doing through us this morning. I pray right now as we continue through the Gospel of John that you would continue to speak into our hearts through this message. In name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, FBC. My name is Pastor Ian. I am the worship and youth pastor here at church, so it is a pleasure to hang out with you guys and be able to speak with you this morning. Um, I also want to take this time, since I am up here, um, to just thank those of you and everyone who has been so gracious to me and my family as we have been getting used to being up here and moved up here. Um, just wanted to thank you, and we are very happy to be part of this family and very thankful for the love and support you guys have given us during this time of transition and everything you've shared with us. So, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to invite you at this time to open your Bibles to John chapter 9 this morning. Uh, we're going to be reading through the whole book of John today, and I know it sounds like a lot, but in reality it's an overview of one whole story. So through this story, we'll be reading about how Jesus heals the sight of a blind man who was born from birth. So over the past few months that I've been here, I've really been challenged in some great ways. Being involved in youth again has really reminded me of some observations as an adult. As we grow up, we tend to forget about the simple joys in life. I like to call this uh, the Peter Pan effect. So, if any of you know me, or as you get to know me, you will know that I am a very big Disney fan, and that's a huge reason why me and my wife are married, so if you would like to know that story, feel free to ask her. Um, she'll be more than happy to tell you about that, but yeah, so this morning, um, I bring up this Peter Pan effect, because what I'm saying is, in the process of growing up, we sometimes forget about the little things. We are surrounded by responsibilities from work. We have things going on in our life. We wake up and the first thing we think of is, what do I need to get done today? How do I get this done? How much time do I have? And we just forget to stop and just remember the simple things. Over time, the simple things in life have become clouded by questions. We lose the simplicity of enjoying life for what it is and start to question a lot of things because we lose sight of what is right in front of our face. We will see while reading through John 9 how simple statements from the blind man are clouded by questions all around him, which cloud the truth he is trying to share with others because people can't believe the simple truth being spoken to them. So we all have questions in our life, and we always will. And to think more specifically, there's probably been a time or two in your life that you've had a question for God. Whether you're just talking to Him or through prayer, you have questions. And through my studying um, of this chapter, just through looking up some different things, one of the top questions that people say they would ask God if they were able to would be, why, why does God allow evil to exist? This has been a hot topic in theological discussions, even to the point where it has its own study of theology, called theodicy. 
which seeks to understand why a good and all-powerful God could allow evil to exist in this world. So now keep this question in mind as we enter into John chapter 9. Last week, as Pastor Matt shared, closing out John chapter 8, he spoke about when Jesus claims about himself, when Jesus was defending himself and why he was asking people to listen to him. Then Jesus speaks into the point that he was before Abraham. And the Pharisees were telling him that we are from Abraham's law. And Jesus said, I am before him. And this makes them angry. They pick up stones, and Jesus flees. So now we're entering into chapter 9. We'll be moving to the story of the blind man where he's going to respond to things in a simple form. And those around cloud this simplicity with all the clutter in their life. John 9, 1. says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Right in the beginning of chapter 9, we see Jesus is walking along with the disciples sometime after he has now fleed. And they are asking Jesus something about this blind man. There is a belief in this culture that sin is a direct result of what is happening in your life. So because of their life, and sin in their life, things are going to go wrong. And bad things have happened. So in the first few verses, we see the disciples questioning this and asking why. The question they're asking is basically the question of the odyssey, like we mentioned earlier. Through this, the disciples are seeking to know the answer of why there is evil in the world. Why was this man born blind? They believe that there was a direct correlation between evil action in our lives. The evil done was the cause of this man being blind, but they were confused because he was blind at birth. And they wanted to know, was this from their parents or was this from the man? And Jesus' response to them was neither. This man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. The response that Jesus gives is neither of them sinned. Instead, this happened to glorify God and that his works may be displayed in him. Jesus is saying that in this moment, this man's blindness is going to be used to glorify the name of God to others. But it's not because this man sinned or his parents sinned. It's simply because God's name is going to be glorified through it. We often think that bad things, when bad things happen, we're being punished, right? When things are going wrong in our world and when we think, why is this happening? We do ask ourselves that question. What have I done wrong to deserve this, right? But instead, sometimes I wonder if God is looking down in those moments and he's saying, hey, it's messy right now because I am working. And I'm working through you to glorify my name. Remember this morning that Jesus gives sight, but the world blinds you. And what I mean is that Jesus saved us from our sins because he loves us. 
We may not know all the reasonings of why and what is going on in order for God to be glorified in our lives, but the message is simple. Jesus Christ loves you. So I'm new here at FBC, but as you get to know me, and some people already know this, but I personally like to have a clean and organized home. It's one of my things. Okay. And you can ask my wife and kids that there's times in our house where I am sitting relaxing, and I can't physically relax until my house is like clean and certain things are done. So there'll be this moment of this shift in my mindset to where all of a sudden I just start cleaning. Like I'm just like, ah! And I just start doing stuff and cleaning. And what happens is I end up making a bigger mess. But not because I don't know how to clean. Okay, the military taught me how to clean very well, okay? But I end up pulling things out and I make a mess. But that's because what I'm doing is organizing and I end up putting things back. And what the end result is, is this clean and organized home. Now it doesn't stay that way, but it gives me practice so I can keep doing it. So as human beings in this world that we live in, we tend to have this kind of this same mindset. We tend to not see this end result of something clean and organized in our life. But instead, we focus on that mess that is right in front of us. We bring all the things into our lives, such as worry, doubt, fear, and other situations that just cloud our day. And God is in these situations in our lives saying, hey, give me a minute to work through this, to work through you. And you'll see what I'm doing here, and then it'll become clear to you. We also tend to focus on things like the past, and this is what the disciples were doing in the instance of Jesus healing the blind man. They were, Jesus was looking forward of the power of God in the situation where the disciples were questioning Hey, what happened? Why is this happening? But Jesus is looking forward to putting God's power on display for all to see and for this man to benefit from this miracle and then believe. So Jesus is using this man's blindness to glorify God. Let's see how this passage continues. Verse 4, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is speaking of his departure from the world. If he is here on earth, there's a sense of urgency during that time. They must do the work of God. Because night is coming when Jesus will no longer be here. But while Jesus is here, he is the light of the world. And what Jesus is saying right there also applies to all of us as believers. His light is carried on through us. But the light of the world was strongest when Jesus was here because he was the example. He was that perfect example for us. John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So we can see Jesus is foreshadowing the light of the, when the light of the world, Jesus, will no longer be among us. His life is carried through us and through the Holy Spirit, but he is no longer physically with us. Throughout our lives, there are many situations that, give, that can give glory to God's name. Healing the blind is just one of them. But I want you to imagine right now, if you were to speak into someone's life who is a sinner, if you were to go start talking to them, but you yourself did not know how they were suffering, you yourself did not know what they were going through. We have this idea that evil should not be allowed from a God who is all-powerful and all-loving. But at the same time, we do not know of the eternal glory being given by God using those situations in our life to show his glory. So think about this. If everything was going perfect around you and everyone was perfect, would you be thinking something was missing in your life? Would you think there's more that you need in life? God knows the end result. And he also knows the situations to use in order to speak to us. God can fix the situations, but sometimes it may need to get a little messy. Or we may need to go through something for it to become better and to step out into what God is wanting us to live in our lives. This is what we see through Jesus Christ. He is that direction. The light that guides us out of the darkness. Remember, we were born into a sinful world. We were already born into the darkness. So we first need to realize that we live in a sinful world where bad things will happen. And Jesus Christ wants to guide us with the light of him. We do not know the future result of what God will use to glorify his name through us, but he does. I didn't know that my life in my past would help people talk to me about their own struggles with addiction. I didn't know that I would be able to speak to them through that part of suffering in their life. And at the time I was suffering in those moments, I didn't understand what was going on. But now, years later, God is using those situations to glorify him. So God knows we were born into a sinful world. And his works, although we may not understand them, are able to guide us into a life of light with him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and always submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So if you were to ask me 15 to 20 years ago, if I would be standing up here right now preaching the word of God to you, I would have laughed. Okay, and that's just being truthful. At that time in my life, I didn't know if I even wanted to follow God. I did know God existed, but I wasn't following Christ. But I also didn't know that the, the plans God had for me. God knew that one day I would follow him, turn my life around, feel the calling in my life to serve him. And now, I'm here as a pastor to speak in the lives of the students, as well as you today. And God knew that. And now I can speak into the lives of students because of the things I went through. Not because I enjoyed it, not because I wanted to do it. And honestly, there's a lot of things I'm ashamed of doing. But 
that testimony that I have allows me to speak into those situations. There's something I've always told students, and they will hear this from me and you will hear from me too, is that unfortunately there is a lot of situations that most kids will possibly go through that I haven't gone through. I mean, that I, that I haven't already gone through. There's a lot of stuff that has happened in my past, but God delivered me from that. And now I can speak to it in their life. I know the suffering of not knowing God in my own life and my own addiction with drugs and partying in high school. I began experimenting with smoking and drinking in the eighth grade, okay? which led to the start of my addiction in my own life. But Jesus knew the future plans he had for me. And he delivered me from all of that. And now I can share that testimony to those in the same situations as a warning to those who may be headed in the same direction, as well as just speaking into the lives of others. So do you know how people get to a point in life to be able to speak into a situation? One, they either go through that situation. Or two, they have a lot of years of experience of knowledge of hearing about it. So the quicker path is usually you've gone through that situation. We need to understand that suffering, we need to understand what suffering is in our own lives. Yes, sometimes situations are different. We can all speak into various things that have happened in our lives that God may use to glorify him. But this is after we have gone through the situation, not before. I know how God uses my past to help teenagers. I also know how God uses my marriage and the things that have happened in my marriage that I can speak into for others that might be going through it. And I can, I'm able to speak to them to that. But here's the thing. I first needed to take the step of wanting to change and to continue to follow God before he delivered me from those things in my own life. And I needed to trust him. I also needed to go through those situations and have the Lord deliver me from them to be able to have that testimony to share. We are not able to know what God is doing sometimes in our life. And this makes us only see what is directly in front of us. The disciples only saw what was in front of them. They didn't see the, the glory that God was doing through this moment. A man blind from birth, they did not see how God was going to use that for his own glory and share the power of God to those in that town. The same is true in our own lives and through, the, through us that are going through a difficult time. So now as we move forward, Jesus is now going to show this power of God through this blind man. Verse 6, After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So while Jesus is speaking to the disciples, this blind man is overhearing this. And all of a sudden, Jesus spits on the ground next to him, and he hears this probably. Jesus makes mud and now physically touches this man and puts mud on his eyes. And this man is probably like, what is going on? 
And then he is told, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And man's probably like, yes, I will. My eyes have mud in them. Of course, I'm going to go wash them out. But what this man did was he obediently went and goes to where Jesus told him to go. Now, there are those who have been thinking or have been wondering, what does the saliva do? And why was he using it? And in the past, there's stories and people believe that there is healing powers in saliva. And then there's others saying that the Lord was physically using the dirt as a symbol of creation, just as it was said in Genesis 2.7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed it into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. But we know that Jesus could have done this in any way. He did not physically need to touch this man to heal. But remember, this man was blind and a beggar. He was probably not shown much love in his life. And most people probably steered clear to him in their life. And unfortunately, let's be honest, that happens in our life today too. If someone is begging on the off-ramp on a freeway or at the end of your McDonald's drive through or wherever it may be, a lot of people roll up the window, turn the other way, look like they're doing something in their car, fiddling with something. Oh, sorry, we don't have anything today. Okay. That's probably what happened to this man. He was probably avoided most of his life. And whatever the case is, I know that the Lord knew what he was doing in this situation. And maybe that physical touch that the Lord gave him was that barrier that needed to be broken down in this man's life. And I trust the process the Lord uses to glorify him through this. Verse 7, Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So let's take for a moment to understand that one, this man was blind from birth. He had no previous knowledge of what things looked like, what colors were. And he was experiencing this now for the first time. Can you imagine the joy and excitement in this man's life to see birds, to see colors, to see the sky is blue? He's probably like, he probably heard, yes, the sky is blue. Well, I don't know what blue is. I don't even know what the sky looks like. And now this man is seeing all of this for the first time. So think of how you would feel if this was happening. And it will help us understand the next few verses. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who, be, who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, he asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they said. I don't know, he said. So During this, there's this confusion that is starting. This blind man can now see. And there's people that are saying, yeah, this is, isn't this him? And others saying, no, it's not, because 
Obviously, he can see, so how can it be the blind man? And now this man, with all this joy and excitement in his life, is saying, I am the man. It was me. So imagine that excitement of letting those people know that he was blind and now can see. This is an example of God using a situation in someone's life to show his glory. So now that man has a testimony. And his testimony is that he can see. So some of you are saying, it is the, so some are saying it's the blind man. Some are saying it isn't the blind man. And this just starts this whole ruckus that's going on. And now they're interrogating him, saying, and asking how his eyes were open. And he's like, the man they call Jesus. Put some mud in my eyes and told me to wash. I went and washed, and now I see. It's a pretty simple explanation, right? The man wasn't getting caught up in all these details of everything, but just stating the facts, and this still isn't enough for people. Also, this man was blind his whole life, and now he's being asked, who was this person? How does he know? He's never seen. And Jesus said, go and wash. So when he went and washed, he doesn't know who this man was. And they're like, who was it? I don't know. He's just relying on the simple fact. I was blind, and now I see. But there is still so much confusion that they take this man of the Pharisees to investigate what's going on. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Throughout these verses, the Pharisees are now questioning him, just like the townspeople were questioning him. And the Pharisees asked how this man can see, and his response again is simple. He put mud on my eyes. I washed, and now I see. So you may be sitting here this morning wondering how God can use you. You may wonder if you don't know all the verses in the Bible, you don't have them memorized, you don't know all the stories. You don't know what's going on in the Bible. You can't recall. And you're like, God can't use me. I don't know any of it. But the mere fact that, God, that you asked God into your heart and you are now free from the bondage of sin in your own life is the most powerful message. You may not know the inner workings of God and the situations, and that's okay. Because the message is simple. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind in the sin of this world, and now I see the truth through faith in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees are conflicted as to how this happened. And instead of looking at the miracle, they're looking at this with tunnel vision and not seeing the miracle that Jesus just performed. They are blinded from the simplicity of the truth because of their questioning. Verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. Blind man. What, have to you, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. See, the Pharisees already did not like Jesus. 
And in, pre in previous chapters, we've seen this. And they wanted to persecute him. So obvious, the obvious response is to say that it isn't him because he didn't keep the Sabbath. And others weren't sure because they felt that if he was a sinner, he couldn't perform this miracle. So now they're divided. But they did not want to see what just happened because they were blind in spirit. And they did not believe in Jesus Christ. Now the people are confused and the Pharisees can't agree. And this man started with the realization that he was blind and he can now see. And he's trying to tell people that it's the man you call Jesus. But he has yet to directly claim Jesus as his Savior, but knows that Jesus gave him sight. And he's just trying to explain this to everybody. So now the Pharisees come back to the man and ask in verse 17, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, He is a prophet. The man now has a shift from saying it is the man you guys call Jesus and now grasps some reality of who Jesus is. So he may not have much knowledge of who Jesus is or who can and can't heal, but he knows that a prophet is someone with a higher status. So obviously this is who Jesus is. A prophet was known as an individual who is regarded as being in contact with a divine being. So obviously from this knowledge, this is who Jesus must be to him. And at least he recognizes that Jesus is not just a man. And as we move to the next verse, we are going to see what is all too common in our own lives. To not see what is right in front of us. Because of our own questioning when Jesus is moving in people's lives around us. Verse 18, They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for this man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see or op who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. See, all too common, the answer is simple. Jesus died for your sins, so you would not suffer an eternity without him. Simple. Now, we'll also see some pretty awesome parenting here. Just going to say. Because when these parents were questioned, they're telling the truth. They're, firstly, we're unsure of this man's age, but we know he was a blind beggar. Okay? And usually in those situations, this person was probably a social outcast. So his parents know that he's not really wanted. And now in this moment of questioning, the parents are pushing the questioning off onto their son. So they don't need to defend their son. If your child was blind from birth and could now see, wouldn't you be a little bit excited? 
But right now, they're so afraid of what will happen to them that they would rather see their sons suffer the shame and wrath of the situation alone. And the Pharisees asked the three questions. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And how can he now see? So the first one is easy. They reply, we know he's our son. Then they also acknowledge that he was born blind. But in verse 21, they claim to not know or understand why he's able to now see. Then they say in verse 21, ask him. He is of age. They said this because they were afraid of answering whether they knew it was Jesus or not. In those times, if you didn't adhere to the law of Moses and what was spoken in the synagogue, then you were cast out. And in that time, in those times, the synagogue was kind of like the central hub. It was the place of power. And your stance in your family was also held through that. So if you were to be cast away from the synagogue, you would be an outcast to the whole entire town. So they just push the blame on to someone else so they wouldn't be punished, which happens to be their own son. So now they go back to the man in verse 24 and tell him, you know, give glory to God by telling the truth and saying this man is a sinner, referring to Jesus Christ. They're trying to change this man's testimony to fit their own truth. Because they can believe that it was God who healed him, but they can't believe that it was Jesus Christ. Whoever does not believe in the light of Jesus Christ will continue to be blind in this world. So now we're going to see this shift in the passage, and this man starts to stand his own ground because he is simply stating the facts in his own testimony. And in verse 25, he says, He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. He is saying, Look what is right in front of your face. I was blind, and now I see. What more clarification do you need? Don't cloud yourself with all these questions. And just look at the simple truth. I was blind, and now I see. The Pharisees can say this man is lying. They can say that Jesus was a sinner, and they can use the laws of Moses to fit their own agenda. But what they could not do was take this man's testimony away. So he was listening to everything they were saying, and in all honesty, he probably didn't know more than the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders in the town, so he didn't know more, but he did know something. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know, and he acknowledges that he doesn't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. So say what you want, but you can't take away this man's testimony. And this is true in all of our lives. We all have situations we may not be proud of. We all have situations that we're going through, that we're suffering through, and we don't know why. There's things that I wish I can take back in my life because of being a sinner. There's also things that we don't understand why it's happening to us. But knowing that Jesus uses those situations in a way to give us the testimony we have to share the gospel to those around us. Because if we were perfect, no one would listen. If we did not know the struggles that we were going through, or the struggles in our own life, how can we speak into the struggles of someone else? 
So remember, Jesus Christ will use your testimony to glorify his name. So don't shy away from it. And don't overcomplicate it thinking that it isn't enough to be used by him. Because it is. And I'll say this one more time this morning. So Jesus gives sight. And the world blinds us. So bad things will happen in everyone's life. But God is able to use these situations just like he did for the blind man in order to glorify God. We may not understand in that specific moment why, but God does. This man lived a blind, lived a life blind, and now we know that in that moment when Jesus was walking by, he would use this man to glorify God through his blindness. So then the Pharisees now ask, how he opened your eyes. We can probably imagine this man's excitement is now getting towards frustration. And then we can, see, we can start to see this verbal altercation start taking place. And when he says, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that the God spoke to Moses, but as, for, but as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who, dwell, who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So this man is defending himself and his testimony because he knows what happened to him. And then he begins to question the Pharisees, which is a huge deal. And their response, like so many responses when somebody is being questioned, they don't like the answer. Well, get out of here. Go. So they threw him out and they got mad. Because they didn't want this man who was a blind beggar questioning them. And this man not only questioned the Pharisees, he did this in front of a crowd. So side note really quick. Remember, this man does not fully know Jesus Christ. He does not know who he is talking about based on the simple fact that he was blind and can now see. But he believed enough to defend Jesus Christ in front of the religious leaders of his town on the first day of knowing him. And he didn't even fully know him yet. So on the first day of half knowing him. Okay? And I'm sorry to say this, and I'm in this category as well, but this man just offended Jesus Christ more than most of us do in our whole life as a Christian. So think about that as we move on. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And at this point, this man wants to believe, but isn't sure who he is believing in. Remember, he was blind. But he knows simply that the miracle has happened in his life, and he wants to believe into the per in the person that he that he's speak being spoken of. Sorry. So throughout the beginning of this message, we have been talking about the physical blindness of this man. 
But now we're making this transition to the spiritual blindness in this man's life. And he wants to now see and be transformed. Verse 37, Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This man learns who Jesus is and immediately begins to worship him. This man was physically blind, but also blind in spirit up until this point, but now begins to worship Jesus Christ. So now this man is not only physically able to see, but he is able to see the truth that is in Jesus Christ. So this is the shift the Lord wants us to make in our own lives. To go from this spiritual blindness to being able to see the truth of Jesus Christ and then begin to worship him in our lives. To simply accept him and turn to him. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. This is a confusing verse, isn't it? So it's talking about the blindness you see without Jesus in your life. Remember, we were born into a world of sin. We were born into darkness. So seeing and living in the sins of this world and not acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is blinding ourselves to the light of the world, which is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no light. The blind in spirit who acknowledge Jesus will now see the truth, and those who do not will be blinded to that truth because they refuse to see it. Verse 40. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. The Pharisees are saying this because they don't understand. They physically can see. But Jesus is talking about their spiritual blindness. They are blind because they did not have Jesus in their life, and they have not admitted this in their hearts. And if they did, they would be saved through admitting their need to see, this, to see by the spiritual light given by Jesus Christ and accepting him. But since they did not, and they said they can see, and they are saying that they know the truth, they were indeed blind in their own lives because they did not accept Jesus into their heart. So if you want to see and know things of God, then he needs to renew your vision in your life. He needs to heal your blindness you have from the world so you can actually see the light that he gives to those who believe in him. The world has blinded you. and he has blind, The world has blinded your vision for the Lord. And Jesus is that renewal of vision and that light in your life. So therefore, Jesus died on the cross for our sins to take the burden of sin in those situations to then be used to glorify him. So maybe you don't understand why this is happening in your life and why you're going through a specific struggle in your life right now. But know this. Because of others around you, you are not alone in those struggles. We all, we have people who can speak into the situations that you are going through. And like I said before, I'm not proud of some of the things that I've done in my life. But I know that God uses those situations in my life to speak to others who may be going through the same thing. 
because I was blind in truth, and now I see through the truth of Jesus Christ in my own life, and you can too. So don't hide from your testimony, okay? Be like the blind man. Stand up and share it. Allow God to use you in ways to glorify his name to the world around us, and allow God to use those imperfections to show his perfect life that was sacrificed for us. So as we close our time this morning, and the band comes back up, we're going to have an opportunity to share communion together. So on your way in, you should have received the elements, and if you haven't, um, there will be some handed out to you. But this time right now allows us to reflect on that gift that we received from Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. The gift that blind man, that that blind man realized, well, we read this, we read this morning, and the gift that we have also received through our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you this morning, and then we'll take the elements together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for this message that you have shared with us. I pray right now for those who are suffering in various ways. And I pray that you will, that although my understanding is not all-knowing, but because yours is, I know that your hand is on the lives of everyone to glorify your name. Thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross to die for our sins, to allow us to see the light of your life. Amen. So on that night that... Jesus was betrayed. He was sitting with his disciples, and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, saying to them, This is my, God, my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Amen.